0: blog talk radio you're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on blog talk radio your host, DJ McKenzie with the Master Key on this Tuesday evening. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize for yesterday. Uh, the technician did not uh, prepare us for this month. Every month, has have to be prepared. Um, the first session every month. And so, I want to apologize for that. And um, um, we're getting better. We're getting better. I think that's all I can say, and probably the wisest thing for me to say at this present time. Knowing what kind of God that we serve, and uh and he's causing us to divinely align with him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I pray that your resurrection service um was powerful. I pray that Jesus Christ manifests his resurrection authority and power in your midst. Uh we had a powerful uh time in the Lord. Matter of fact, I want to share a couple of principles uh with you all from uh, the word of the Lord on um on Sunday. But before I go there I was in a conversation uh with one of my spiritual sons uh, about a half hour before I got online uh, uh today with the broadcast. And uh the Spirit of God quickened a scripture to me and that I shared with him. I said want you and your wife to Read this scripture and get back with me tomorrow and let me know what do the Lord speak, uh, spoke to you guys out of that particular passage of scripture. And uh, um, after I got the phone with him, uh, it was resonating in my spirit, This bit of the verse. Just came to my spirit, gave and said, look at this verse here. Read it, tell me what the Lord speak to you guys out of that. And uh, so hung up, so it just stayed in my spirit. So I came to my desk here at my house and uh, began to, look, go to the, and look at the Scripture. And I looked at it in a, uh, three different translations, and um, I just love the wisdom of God. And see how this ties in with some of the principles I want to share with you from our resurrection service on a Sunday. We're not get into it and go into it all, but uh, I would advise you to, uh, uh, to get a copy of that. I really believe it would be a blessing to you as you listen to some of the principles today that we're going to share. And uh, my prayer is that it just don't be another message. That sounds good. Uh, but I believe in this, these things, ladies and gentlemen. I, I really believe in these things. And, um, and that's probably why God deals with me the way he deals with me. But uh, I believe uh, that we really are victorious in spite of what you may be challenged with. I really believe that you and I are more than conquerors, as the word of the Lord says it. I believe that you and I are overcomers, as the word of God says it. And what I love about it, you really don't have to do anything. All you have to do is just receive someone. If someone become a reality to you, then you don't have to receive, because you already have him. But he needs to become a reality to me as my victor, as my conqueror, as my overcomer. So... He have already defeated, he has already conquered, he has already overcame Satan and his cohorts. So I don't have to do that. Uh um all I do is receive and embrace him in the midst of the situation. He will manifest himself in me and through me as victor. Well I want to look at a scripture here. I believe it's gonna help us uh today. But I pray your your resurrection service was, was, was awesome. The scripture I want to look at is Philippians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. And I'm going to tie that in, uh, by the grace of God, to some of the principles that we share. Uh, just, just got this a few minutes ago. Uh, was a uh, matter of fact, I thought it was going to be late uh, logging in. Uh, and I looked up and I said, wow, I only had a couple of minutes. So I went ahead and uh, dialed in. But Philippians one twenty-eight and and uh, verse 29 Notice what it done. This is in the Amplified Version. It says, and do not, and do not for a moment, for a moment, do not for a moment, be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. Now, who is your opponents? Who is your adversaries? Now, we know Satan is the ultimate opponent and adversary of the Most High God. So, therefore, he becomes the ultimate uh, adversary and opponent to the church. That is us. But notice what he do not, and do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated. And usually when you're frightened, you're intimidated. In anything by your opponents and adversaries, for such constancy and fearlessness, for such constancy... And fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof, and seal to them, who is them, your opponents, who is them, your adversaries. Your Watch this right. Your consistency and your fearlessness will be a clear sign, proof, and seal to them of their impending destruction. Oh, who impending destruction? Your opponents, your adversaries. Now, what's going to give them a sign that they are doomed? Your fearlessness and your consistency or your faith, your trust, and your confidence in Christ who have already defeated and conquered sickness and disease, poverty and like, confusion, chaos, division, like, famine, uh, rebellion. All this stuff that you and I challenge, oppression, depression, pride, perversion, uh, um, Jezebel spirits, uh, spirits of uh, bondage, spirit of antichrist, all these things, uh, it says it will be a clear sign, proof and sealed, proof and sealed. The sealed cannot be broken to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance. Wait a minute. It's a a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation and that from God. Wow. So you mean to tell me, that in the midst of hell, in the midst of tests, in the midst of challenge, challenges, if I walk in fearlessness in the midst of this situation, refuse to be moved, refuse to be shaken, my faith is consistent, my trust in him is consistent, not only is going to be a clear sign not only if it's going, to be, it's going to be a proof and a seal to my adversaries and opponents of their impending destruction. other words, when I'm fearless, when I'm consistent, I become a mirror. Letting them see what Jesus has already done on Calvary's cross and through his resurrection. They know I see myself destroyed through their fearlessness. I see myself destroyed through their consistent faith in Jesus. Everything I'm throwing at them, they are not moved. Everything I'm throwing at them, they refuse to be afraid. So therefore, it is in impending destruction. But then it goes on to say, but a sure token and evidence of your, of your deliverance and salvation and that from God. What is that saying? It's only a matter of time. What God has promised, what Jesus has already done, is getting ready to be made manifest. Now, this is, this is, this is, this is beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you why it's beautiful. It is beautiful because what this scripture is telling us, both, both things that's already been accomplished, their destruction has already been accomplished. Through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and enthronement, this is beautiful. Their death has uh, uh, not death. Their de- their defeat has already been accomplished, and your salvation and your deliverance has already been comp- accomplished. But it's just not manifested. It's just not manifested. So, did Jesus really defeat Satan on Calvary's cross? If my radio audience today is born again and you've been saved at least a year or two, you would would agree with me that Jesus really did defeat Satan on Calvary's cross. He did display his victory when he rose from the dead. You agree with me. You agree with me. Now, but you and I do not uh, see this happening, but this is going to be good for you and I today you going to be encouraged today. Jesus did it. When Jesus rose, did he rise with our salvation? Did he rise with our deliverance? Yes, he did. The Bible let us know that Jesus has already conquered Satan. He conquered his cohorts. And this Roman says he conquered sin. Sin has been defeated and conquered. He defeated sin. He died for sin once, and he dies no more. So he cannot be a sacrifice for sin anymore. It's already done. But we don't see it manifested. So this is beautiful. So Jesus here, uh, uh, or the Spirit of God, speaks through Paul here. In the word of the Lord, he says, now, what's going to cause me to be fearless? What's going to cause my faith in Christ to be consistent? It must be a revelation. It must be a reality. What Jesus really did must be real to me. It must be a reality to me. And that's what's going to cause me to be fearless like Moses was in the wilderness. That's what's going to cause me to be fearless like David was coming against Goliath. God was a reality to him. God needs to become, Jesus needs to become, the Holy Spirit needs to become real to me. Now, my, my, my message on Sunday was talking about, well, I'll get to that in a few minute, minutes here. Because one of the things I was bringing out, a concern in the resurrection or concerning Christ. The problem with a lot of us, ladies and gentlemen, is he, he's not a reality. He's a theory. See, we have more faith in reading about him. If you only read about him and have encountered him, he's nothing but a theory. Resurrection's a theory, it's not a reality. Uh, uh, salvation it can even be a theory, even though you receive him but never experienced him. So that's why we struggle and we vasculate. Now notice this right here. This is beautiful. Because we plan on sharing this, but thank God that Lord put it in my spirit, share with my spirit son. But nevertheless, notice what it says here. And do not for a moment be frightened. Not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and everything. Not one moment. Do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Not one moment. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if you stand and you're consistent in your faith while hell is breaking loose against you, while your enemies are trying to intimidate. That's all that, that, Now let me give you that word intimidate because that's all he can do. All he can do is intimidate but the reason it works for you is because our faith is in it. Faith is the, really the key. Faith, fear is nothing but faith. That's all fear is. Fear is faith. Fear is I believe this ain't going to happen to me. Nobody can shake me. Nobody can tell me this is not going to happen to me. And what the scripture says about Job, what Job greatly feared what happened? it came upon it. What he greatly feared came upon it, because he had faith in it, and it came upon it. He brought about the manifestation of what he had faith in. He had faith in destruction. He had faith in something that was going to happen. And so, therefore, it happened. That's the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. So, so everybody operated in faith, some kind of level of measure of faith, but fear is faith. Faith in the negative. Faith in the opposite. But faith in faith, uh, biblical faith, brother, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. is in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The word intimidate means to make timid or fearful. It means to be frightened especially to compel or deter by or as if by threats. Think about it. When fear comes, it comes because you feel like your life is threatened. You feel like you getting ready to lose your life or you're getting ready to lose something. So my life belongs to him. Your life belongs to him. But that's why the scripture is a theory for a lot of people. Because the scripture says that, uh, I think it's John 10 if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Jesus says, no man can take you out of the hands of God. For he's greater than all. No one can take you out of the hands of God. So that's why I believe David wasn't afraid of Goliath because he knew his life belonged to the Father. And he knew how great the Father was. He knew how awesome the Father was, and so therefore he heard all of the great stories about what God did uh, for the children of Israel out of Egypt, bringing them out of Egypt. That became a reality to him. The Spirit of God ministered it to, and it was real to. That's why he wasn't afraid of Goliath. So, it, Satan's greatest weapon is intimidation. It is intimidation, and intimidation only can work towards someone who's not confident in who they are. Of who their God is. It's the only way it can work, ladies and gentlemen. Or you don't. Do, or what Jesus accomplished on was—it's it's not real to you. It's a theory. His resurrection is not—it's real, it's a theory. His ascension and throne is not real. It's a theory. That's how he's able to threaten us and, and and intimidate us. Are, are you getting this? So what, what's this right here? This is beautiful. So, so when Satan when Satan uh 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 tried to intimidate. At that particular time, there is no manifestation of salvation. There is no manifestation of deliverance. So two things is happening here. My faith, my confidence, my consistency, my fearlessness is going to accomplish two things. First thing it's going to accomplish, it's going to reveal to my opponents, whatever that is, sickness, disease, poverty alike. Always remember, people is not your enemy. People is not your enemy. That must be real to you. It's the spirits that uses people is your enemy. And you got that. Must, must become a reality. So two things are happening. So my fearlessness and my consistency, my consistent faith, my consistent trust, my consistent confidence in the Lord is doing two things. It's going to reveal to my adversary, my opponents. The scripture says here, their impending destruction and at the same time, it's going to reveal to them and everybody around me my deliverance and my salvation from God. That means my fearlessness, my consistent faith will speed up the manifestation of my deliverance. It will speed up the manifestation of me experiencing salvation over my enemies. That's how it works. Let's give you another definition the word threat here. Intimidate, once again, to make timid, to compel or deter by or as if by threats. It is designed to cause one to be frightened, intimidation. The word threat means a declaration of the intention to inflict harm, pain, or misery. What? A declaration of the intention to inflict harm, pain, or misery as indicated, of imminent harm, danger, or pain. A person or a thing that is regarded as dangerous or likely to inflict pain or misery. So to intimidate, to threaten. So when the enemy threatens you, he's threatening you with something that you know is going to violate your peace, your love, your joy, your faith, your confidence. Let me give you, let me read in another verse here. Then we get over to uh, the word that uh, some of the principles shared on Sunday. Another translation says it this way. Oh, I didn't, excuse me, let me read verse 29. 29. And 29 says it, says it from this perspective. 29 says, For you have been granted the privilege for Christ's sake, not only to believe in, Adhere to, rely on, and trust in him, but also to suffer in his behalf. Wait a minute here. What are you saying here? I personally believe, if you look at this, ladies and gentlemen, God is setting you up when you, to share in his suffering. He says, the scripture says, we count it a privilege. That's what it says. For you have been granted the privilege. For you have been granted the privilege, for you have been granted the privilege, for you have been granted the privilege. For Christ's sake, not only to believe in, adhere to, rely on, and entrust in him, but you have been granted the privilege, but also to suffer in his behalf. You mean to tell me to go through some things? Is desire, is a privilege from God? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. How in the world could this be a privilege? Because it has everything to do with you experiencing Christ as your Savior. You're experiencing him personally as your Deliverer. And we're going to get to the scripture that I shared on Sunday, some of the scriptures. And it gives you an opportunity to experience resurrection. And one of the problems with uh, Easter Sunday, people call Easter which is res- res- resurrection sign? You want to know what the one of the problem? Because the emphasis, the emphasis is always on the foundation, and we don't build off the foundation. What's the foundation? The emphasis is on Jesus rose from the dead. That's the foundation, and if you never go beyond the foundation, you can never have a house to live in. Because you can't build. You just fascinated over the foundation. Oh, look at this foundation! Build a foundation, but. You know, I know if you ever had a house built, had a house built before, sold it, it from the beginning to the end, Dug the lot out, laid the foundation, came and put the bricks on the foundation after it settled in, before they did, they put the plumbing and everything in, and And I could have said, "Oh man, look at our house. Oh man, this is a wonderful house. No, no, no brick has been laid. The foundation is the most, the most important part of the house. The part that you cannot see is the most important part of the house. You enjoy the house, uh, and the strength of the house is continued upon this foundation. And the problem with, with, with Resurrection Sunday is everybody uh, uh, talk about the foundation. Jesus is the foundation, and not understanding that Jesus, when he rose, he is the foundation for the church. He is the head of the body. What the head experienced, the body must experience. Jesus rose so you and I can experience thing, can experience resurrection. But if, I, if we if we never get into that, if I don't believe that, if I don't trust, it, I will never experience it. And that understanding, even as he said here in Philippians chapter one verse twenty nine, count of the an honor and the privilege to share in his suffering. Why in the world do he want me to suffer for you to experience victory? For you to experience resurrection power, resurrection authority. For what reason? So you can be a dispenser of victory and a dispenser of resurrection authority and power. But do you know what's the sad thing about it? Because we don't understand why God allowed us to go through certain things, we fight God. We run away from an opportunity to experience Jesus on a personal level. No, we want to experience Jesus we just want to experience him as a healer. We want to experience him as a blesser. Bless me with a promotion. Bless me with a raise. Bless me with more money. Bless me with a husband. Bless me with a wife. Bless me with some children. Bless me with a house. Bless me with a car. Bless me with a job. Bless me with a business. Man, how low is our mentality? so carnal. You're talking about stuff that... That you have dominion over in any way. And because you're focusing on, on, on those things, that's why you don't experience dominion over these carnal, natural things. You were made in the image and likeness of God who created all these things. Your mind should be elevated beyond that. So your mind needs to experience a resurrection. Your thoughts need to experience a resurrection. All of ours. <laughs> all of us. Experience a resurrection. Need to be resurrected. Out of the muck and the mire. Are, are you getting this? So he says here, uh, uh, 29, once again, for you have been granted the privilege. You have been granted the privilege. You have been granted the privilege. I'm calling you to share into my my victory. But you can't experience my victory if you're not willing to, to experience my suffering. I'm calling you into suffering. For what? To experience victory. For what? To experience resurrection. To let you experience and let the enemy know, and let the circumstances know, and let the situation know that is intimidating you, you get nothing here. You cannot, shall not, and will not defeat nor conquer me. To conquer me is to conquer him who has already defeated you. Well, who, who, who defeated me? Oh, well, you know who defeated you. The one that lives on inside of me. You see him. Christ defeated you. He cannot be defeated, so I cannot be defeated. He cannot fail, so I cannot fail. That is the mentality we as the church, we got to have, because it's real. The circumstances and situations, he tells us, he gives us a command, and do not for a moment, do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and efforts, and not one moment. That's a command. That is a charge that God is giving you, giving me, the body of Christ. Are you getting this? Let me go to another translation. Wow, time is moving fast. Uh, Another translation says it this way. This is the New Living Translation. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them That they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God Himself. Are you hearing that? Isn't that awesome? This is a form of warfare, teaching you how to not just fight the devil, but to live, to live in a state of a warrior. No fear, no signs of intimidation. Once again, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Don't be intimidated by any way, uh, in any way by your enemies. Do not be intimidated. Go ahead and make that declaration. I refuse to be intimidated. Go ahead and make it. You speak over yourself. You speak to your mind. and mind, you will not be intimidated. Tell yourself, soul, you will not be intimidated. Spirit, you will not be intimidated. Heart, you will not be intimidated. You have received Christ. Christ is your boldness. Christ is your courage. Tell yourself this. Speak that to yourself. Don't be intimidated anyway by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved. Your lack of intimidation by God Himself. Verse 29, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. You and I have been given the pri- privilege to suffer for him. Now, this is where the problem come with the majority of us. I don't think when we hear scripture like this, uh, we have a problem with it. Uh, okay, if I got to so say, okay, I, I suffer since I see what the word of the Lord says. But our problem is this right here. We want to choose the suffering. We don't mind if it comes from a stranger. We don't mind if somebody don't know us, curse us out. If your spouse curse you you out. If your parents curse you out. If it, I mean, no, 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 I, I got an issue with it. No, 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 no. Did God know that was going to happen before the foundation work? Well, yeah, I suppose so, since, you know, he is sovereign. He is um, omnipresent. So, therefore, if you get rejected, you ever heard those saying black sheep of the family? If you feel like you're the black sheep of the family. Now, even though God didn't make you the black sheep of the family, you chose to be the black sheep of the family. And you really chose it by the circumstance of the situation. How that's how you have perceived them to be. So according to this right here, I have an obligation and responsibility not to be intimidated by rejection, by anything that comes my way, by anything when anybody says to me or say about me. I have an obligation and responsibility to not to be intimidated because Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my king. He says here it is a privilege. It is a privilege. And the reason we don't look at it as a privilege because we don't get the revelation of suffering. They sharing the suffering. You don't understand the revelation. You just focus on the suffering. That's the only thing you focus on the suffering. But you don't see the bigger picture. It's not the suffering. The bigger picture is resurrection power. The bigger picture is encountering and experiencing Jesus Personally, as your victor and your conqueror and your overcomer, over the thing that I may be challenging, over the suffering. He is my peace in the midst of a storm. He is my health in the midst of a challenge in my body. He is my source in the midst of the challenge of my finances. Are you getting this? I pray to God that you are. Let's look at uh, uh, one more translation then we're going to look at some other principles concerning resurrection. This is the Message Bible. Not flinging, a dogging in the slightest before the opposition. Your courage and unity will show them What they're up against. Defeat for them. Victory for you. Your courage and unity will show what? What they're up against. What they're up against. Defeat for them. Victory for you. And both because of God. Their defeat because of God. Your victory because of God. Verse 29, there's far more to this life life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him. And the suffering is as much a gift as the trusting. What? Suffering is a gift? It's a gift straight from the throne of God. How in the world could suffering be a gift? Because it's a gift and a privilege to get you to come to the place to experience, not preach it, not teach it, not testify about it, not confess it, but to experience. Experience the victory. To do what? Experience the victory. My message on uh, Sunday Uh, was resurrection. Revelation without experience is a theory. Revelation without experience is a theory. And the reason I believe and know now why God gave me that verse before I came on to share with you all this today is because If you notice that what the Lord was saying in the 29th verse, that the suffering is a gift, suffering is a privilege. Now, why? Because think about it, without the suffering, without the tests, without the trials, you could never experience. Jesus will only be a theory, what you hear your pastor preach about. Or what you read in your morning devotion. Or you read in a book. You're full of information concerning Jesus and the resurrection. Full of information concerning him. Being Lord, Master and King. Full of information concerning him. Being Jehovah Jireh. But have any of us ever experienced. Literally had an experience. With him as these things, he's he's he loves us so much that he gives us the gift of suffering. They're putting us in situations so you and I can become one, experience oneness with him, and the victory that he won over Satan. You and I can share in that victory when he rose from the dead. We can share in that resurrection. Let me give you the definition of the word theory. The word theory, a concept that is not yet verified, ver- verifi, excuse me, a concept that is not verified, but that if true would explain certain facts or phenomena. It's not verified. It's a theory. So we got to transition from it being a theory, and we can verify it. We can become a witness of it. Are you getting this? That is why so many believers is oppressed. Go to church every every week. Oppressed, depressed. Why, why am I feeling this way? Something gotta be wrong. And not understanding the reason you're oppressed and depressed because you're coming to worship a God. That's a theory. He's a theory never been verifi- verified you. if if you have ever encountered him your worship would be different your praise would be different your prayers would be different because you know you're talking to a real God it's not a theory you said but I, I know he's real how do you know he's real because you read about it in the Bible or you heard somebody preach about it you know he's real ladies and gentlemen I was given an illustration one of my, uh another one of my spiritual sons uh, was down here uh, from Denver over the weekend, came down for a home-going service in Fort Lauderdale, one of his best friends he grew up with, sister passed, came to the funeral, so he was in service on Sunday. And I was given an illustration, a lot of you are probably um, don't know his testimony, uh, Evangelist uh, uh, Spencer. He was with us. Uh, he... Uh, 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 This wife conceived about five years ago. She had twins. And um, uh, one of the babies died while she was carrying the babies. And uh, the doctors uh, uh, told them that uh, they need to let him take the baby. If they don't take the baby, then uh, his wife's life is threatened and the other baby's life is threatened if they don't take the baby that has died. So he called me and uh, I asked Did he believe God? And I said, Do. I said, Then we prayed. Pray. To make a long story short, he did not let the doctor take the baby. See, see, now, now, that was a blessing. That was a gift. That was a privilege that God put him and his wife in. He said, Preacher, don't make any sense. I got to be a privilege. You know why? Because five years ago, that took place. Both babies alive today. Both of them alive. Both of them healthy. No defects. No nothing. No nothing. So that situation was a privilege. It was a gift. What did they experience? Resurrection power. Resurrection authority. Are you getting this? Do you think that man could ever... Doubt God in any kind of hell that he go through. All he got to do is always reflect back on his faith, his confidence. Refuse to be intimidated. Refuse to be intimidated by the threats that his wife's going to die, his other child is going to die if they don't let the doctor take the child. Stood on the unadulterated, infallible Word of God. Stood his, uh, his strong with faith in His Lord, in His Master, in His King, who defeated Satan. Death itself was conquered over two thousand years ago. So he encountered, not heard or just preached about, but it was a privilege and a gift that God gave him. Just of his faith for the times that's come, and now he's enjoying those babies, twin boy, a, a boy and a girl, twins. Enjoying those babies, healthy, And matter of fact, say so they're very gifted. They're very gifted, very smart, very gifted. Do they say to know that? Absolutely. So, so, resurrection is not a theory to this man. It's a reality. He experienced resurrection, authority, and power over that enemy. Let's look at something here. Let's look at a scripture. I think will 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 help us to comprehend this even in a greater way. This was my foundation scripture. I think I got enough time today. Listen to this, if you will. The Corinthian church was the most gifted church. They was the most gifted church and they the most knowledgeable church, Paul said, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse, chapter 2. Out of all of his churches, they was the most gifted and they was the most knowledgeable. They surpassed everybody in gifts of the Spirit, and they surpassed everybody in knowledge. More than the Roman church, the Philippian church, Church of Colossae, all these churches. But they were struggling believing in the resurrection. How could this be? They gifted, fluid in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Knowledge surpassed everybody. But they was, they was being challenged in their mind about the resurrection. This should show you something. You could be fluid in the gifts of the Spirit, spirit you can be a preacher, teacher, prophet, whatever the case may be. If you don't encounter and experience Him, when you fall in the gifts of the Spirit, other people is encountering and experiencing. You're not experiencing. You just being experienced as you. you, you uh, how, do, how do I want to word this? You are just an instrument in the hands of God. You only being you experiencing yourself as an instrument. That's the correct terminology you just experiencing yourself as an agent, a dispenser of the graces of God. Well, you're experiencing the graces of God yourself. It's different, ladies and gentlemen. The power is not you feeling the gifts of the Spirit. The power is you encounter and experience Him, the gift of God, which is Christ Jesus. It's more important, more valuable, more powerful because That's what's going to cause you to stand. I know people that flow beautifully in the gifts of the Spirit, but they're always shaken. They're soon shaken. They're easily intimidated. They're easily frightened. And they flow in the gifts of the Spirit beautifully. And people believe spiritual because they're in the gifts of the Spirit. Your spirituality is not based on the gifts of the Spirit. Your spirituality is based on the the reality of Christ Jesus, Him being real to you. Because you can flow in the gifts of the Spirit and still be intimidated. Will Jesus become real to you, and you don't even feel the gifts of the Spirit, you will stand your ground. I said, not so, you foul spirit. No, Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is my Redeemer. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Master. Jesus is my King. And you say it with authority and power, and you say it with enthusiasm because it's real. He's real to you. So the amount of time that devil is going to flee, it's the amount of time you're going to experience your salvation. Now, let's read this right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I wanted to go somewhere. Well, yeah, let me go ahead and read this. I'm going to read this. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, How do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Verse 14. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. If Christ has not risen, this broadcast, I'm wasting my time. I could be doing something else. I could be spending some time uh, with my wife, with my daughters. I could be out doing something. if Christ't this is totally in vain. You all could be doing something. You didn't have to be on this broadcast. If Christ is not risen, you listening to me is totally 100 percent in vain. It is empty, frugal, if you have not risen. Your life is not worth a quarter if he has not risen. My life is not worth a penny if he's not risen. You going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, Tuesday, whenever your midweek services is, is totally 1% in vain. you going to pray in the morning. Praying at night is totally in vain. Your morning devotions is totally in vain if he has not risen. We're wasting our time. If he has not risen. Listen to this, if you will. Verse 15. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If, in fact, the dead do not rise, then God is a theory, and we've been lying to people. We've been lying. If Christ is not risen, we are people that is liars. We've been telling people that God raised Jesus from the dead. And people, some people have believed that and accepted Jesus. It's all in vain. We have tricked people. We have lied to people. If Christ is not risen. Verse 16. Ah, thank God, but we know he has. But, 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 it means nothing for us to say he has. Have you experienced it? Have you experienced his resurrection? Verse 16. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. It's, it's, you are going to hell. I'm going to hell. Do you not understand that everybody that's died is in hell right now if Christ has not risen? Everybody's in hell. And your parents, you think that you want to see another uh, 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 again? You're not going to see them again. Not in heaven, you will see them in hell if Christ has not risen because you and I are still in our sins. If Christ is not risen. The world is still in their sins if Christ is not risen. Then the scriptures is a lie itself if Christ is not risen. Second Corinthians 5, 19, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto themselves, not imputing their sins unto them. Not imputing, but if Christ is not risen, then they're still in their sins. We're still in our sins if Christ is not risen. How many Christians struggle just like these Corinthians? And trust me, so many, because they have absolutely no clue the power of the resurrection has been given to us. If we understood it, so when God uh, uh, blessed us with the privilege of suffering for him, we begin to rejoice because we know without a shadow of a doubt we're getting ready to experience resurrection power. No, why? Because we're not in our sin. Our sins has been forgiven us. Why? Because Christ has risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead. Watch this here. Verse 17. And if Christ has not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Verse 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. They're, they're totally gone. 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all we are of excuse me, we are our, excuse me, we are of all men the most pitiful. We're pitiful. If we only have hope in this world, Christ's resurrection, then we just live for what? We're doomed. This gentleman, this resurrection. It's, it's 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 not only uh, 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 conquered Satan. It conquered sin, sickness, disease, everything. See, if we don't understand this, and this is why warfare and prayer and intercession don't work. Because we're praying, hoping something's going to happen. And not praying because we know something's going to happen. Because we already know what Jesus already done. We know Jesus already defeated Satan on Calvary's cross. We know on the third day he rose to, with all authority in heaven and in earth. We know he have ascended. We know he sits on the right of the Father, forever making intercession. We know. We know we've been risen with him. We know we've been delivered from the powers of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We know. So that's what gives us the courage and the Authority and the power to engage in warfare. But we're engaging from a resurrected perspective, ladies and gentlemen. We know that this is a privilege that God has allowed me to suffer in this particular area, this situation, because of, of the victory that's getting ready to be made manifest, because of the resurrection authority and power of Jesus Christ that's on the inside of me. On the inside of me. Let me let me give you uh, another scripture. I want to give you two more, but if I have the time, oh, this is this is good, ladies. And gentlemen. This, is, this is this is this is good. This is good. This is good. Listen to this, if you will. This is also Colossians two, twelve and fifteen. If it's an invitation ritual, you're after. You've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Listen, listen to this. Oh, you got to get this. <laughs> this, is, this is beautiful. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. How many on this line, on this broadcast today, that has been water baptized? I hope the majority of you have is already water baptized, but do you want know the problem with water baptism once again, what has happened to us is a theory, and we're not walking in the reality of baptism? Do you not understand the reality of baptism is resurrection, just like Jesus rose from the dead? Your water baptism is an open display before heaven and earth. That you have risen from the dead. When I say the dead, your past. Risen from the dead, dead works. Risen from the dead, sickness and disease. Risen from the dead, Satan and his cohorts. Everything to do with the satanic and demonic. When you do water baptism, it is an outward sign, an outward display of the authority and power you have inwardly. Because the authority and power of inward is a man. And that man is Jesus. Water baptism. Watch this right here. It says here, if it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a barrier of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection come out of it was what? Resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. God, don't what? Raising you from the dead as he did Christ. Verse 13. When you were struck, excuse me, not struck, stuck. When you were stuck in your old sin dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive, right along with Christ. What? He brought me alive. Yes. Right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. How many? All sins forgiven. Verse 14. The slate white clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. Are nailed to Christ's cross. That's what it says, "And nailed to Christ's cross." Do you not understand? Every time the devil tries to put sickness and disease upon you, it's nothing but an arrest warrant. It's an arrest warrant. Say, so "I'm arresting you with sickness and disease because you have sinned." And if you really understood this, I've sinned. What are you talking about? I don't have no sin. I don't have no sin. Say, so what do you mean? You have not sin. Well, if you did, you confess your faults before him. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all, uh, all unrighteousness. Then you have none. Then he cannot legally arrest you. He cannot arrest you with sickness and disease. He cannot arrest you with poverty, and lack, and famine. He cannot arrest you with confusion and division. He cannot arrest you. You and I was raised alive with Christ. When Jesus went to hell, you know it went to hell. Our sins took him to hell, but he conquered and defeated sin when he rose from the dead. And you and I rose with him. Our Water baptism says that we rose with him. I was resurrected right along with him. He identified himself with my sins. I identified myself with his righteousness. Are you getting this? You and I, we are one with him. We're what? We're one with him. Watch this here. Are you getting this? Verse 14 again. The slate white clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to the cross. A uh, nailed to the Christ cross. Verse 15. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority. Of their what? Sham authority at the cross, and march them naked through the streets. What is he saying? The authority of Satan is a sham baby. Satan still has power, but he don't have authority. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose with all authority, not power. King James said power. The Greek word there is not dudamus. The Greek word there is Azusa, authority. He rose with all authority. Authority is greater than power. Because authority gives you the legal right to exercise power. You can have, use power, but use it illegally. And then you will experience a retribution for using authority illegally. But all legitimate authority comes from God, and therefore you can exercise it legally. So he has no right. He's, his authority to try to put sickness and disease upon you is a sham. When he tried to put poverty on you, it's a sham. When he tried to destroy your marriage, it's a sham. When he try to destroy your children, it's a sham. He had no right over your children. He had no right over your spouse. He had no right over your finances. He have no right because you and I are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We was raised with Jesus, victorious over Satan, victorious over his cohorts, victorious over the works of darkness. You and I were raised. That's resurrection. Why are you waiting till next Easter to start singing resurrection songs start preaching resurrection messages? And you and I should be living in resurrection authority and power every single day of our lives. You've been raised, ladies and gentlemen. So when 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 God allows suffering when God says in, uh, in the word of the Lord in Philippians 1, 29, that it was, it's a privilege to share in his suffering. Think about it. Why is a privilege? Because the suffering is preparing you for victory, to experience Christ as victor, to experience Christ as your sustainer, to experience Christ as your keeper, to experience Christ as your source. He is Lord, ladies and gentlemen. He is master. He is king. He is ruler over everything. And who can conquer him? No one. Then who can conquer you? No one. No one. Let your thoughts be resurrected. Let your mind be resurrected. Let your imaginations be resurrected. Only you can do that. So much, so much. I didn't even finish the message myself. So much left here. But my time is up. My time is up. But you can get this message. You can go to ejmpcc.com, and you can get that. Uh, They do have it in MP3 uh, format at this present time. You can download it if you desire to do that. Uh, You can call the administrative office in order. That it will be a blessing to you. Jesus is Lord, and he has risen from the dead. And so have you. You say, but I uh, mean, I will never die again? You will never die spiritually. You will never die spiritually. Physical death means nothing. It's a spiritual one that everybody should be concerned about. Because that determines your destiny, your eternal destiny. Well, once again, I want to apologize for yesterday. Uh, the technician did not set everything up. Uh, So we were not able to get in uh, On yesterday and do the broadcast I didn't know that Uh, Went in, tried to get in I I couldn't even get in So uh, uh, that has been rectified So I pray that you accept my apology I pray that you would take what the Lord Has encouraged you with today And that you refuse to be frightened You refuse to be intimidated You refuse to allow the enemy To threaten you from this day forward But you're going to be Fearless Fearless, but it's going to be a sign of their impending destruction, a sign of their doom in your salvation, in your victory that comes from the Most High God. Well, we pray that you will continue to lift us up in prayer. Pray for the broadcast. Pray for me. Pray for my spouse. Pray for my children. As I'm doing for you, this is your due season, your set time. Without a doubt, God is moving on your behalf. Exceedingly abundant above all you are able to ask or think But refuse to be intimidated And know it So when the enemy comes to challenge your set sign When the enemy comes to challenge your due season You're not going to be frightened And you're not going to be intimidated Because the threat from the enemy Is a privilege from God God is allowing it For you to experience Experience for yourself What Jesus experienced over Satan Victory this has been your host, Dr. E.J. McKiss with the Master Key. Well, we pray that the rest of your evening will be blessed and restful. Look forward to being with you on Saturday at noon. God bless you.